Welcome back to another episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast. Brad Rapplinger, Dave Melton, Brandon Kane along the ride for you here to talk about the Blackhawks preseason. I'll go over a couple of players that have uh, that have stood out to us, as well as a couple of guys that we think might be on the fringe of being sent down to Rockford. Also, we're going to talk about, um, obviously, the... Uh, um, the Rockford Icehogs, we actually had Brandon Kane on site for their training camp uh, or day run one of their training camp over the weekend. And then we actually have a brand new fantasy series that we want to introduce, uh, not just to ourselves, but to you, the listeners as well, who can play along at home and with us at the website, secondcityhockey.com. But first of all, gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. How are That's, we? Uh, we're alive. I mean, you know, we are that's live. all I got. That's it's, all I got. It's, it's a Bears Monday um, or a Monday night game. We are we're recording this before the Bears, so hopefully uh, we can at least talk about a 2 and one football team next week. Man, that's football. I've had more – I guess we'll just fire it off now. Who do you have more faith in terms of making the playoffs this season, the Chicago Bears the Blackhawks? Oh, the Bears. Oh, God. Not even close. Really? Not even close. I, the Bears have Cleo Mack and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. The, Black, the, the, the Bears have a defense. The they Black may Hawks not have an offense, but they the have, Black Hawks have the best goaltending duo in the league and potentially one of the greatest assembly of forwards in the you're, league. You're, yeah, but the six, guy, the six blue liners in front of that goaltending give me heart palpitations when I think about them too much. And just score a it lot is, of goals. It is much more likely that you make the playoffs in the NFL with a terrible offense than it is that you make the playoffs in the NHL with a terrible defense. Big That's shot my story, there. and I'm sticking Both to guys. it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, do you have any, any takes, any, qu- or any questions? Do you, who do you think, Blackhawks or Bears? Who's got a better chance of making the playoffs? Oh, the Bears do, for sure. Why do you hate fun? Anyways, um <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, sorry we're right. Y'all y'all are just terrible for a hockey podcast. Uh, which is probably the best place to jump off here. Let's take a look at the defensemen since Dave wants to talk about the blue liners. Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> there's well, there's one guy in particular, and if you have not first of all, if you're listening to this show and you haven't already listened to the Mark Lazarus and Dave Melton Friday show from last week, Woo! hit the pause button, go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and go find that show uh, because that was a tremendous interview. And one guy that uh, Senor Laz brought up that was basically I'm going to say he was guaranteeing a top four defenseman spot was Calvin DeHaan, at least in terms of the the prospect that he is for the Blackhawks this season. So we'll open up conversation here with Dave Melton. Um, in talking to Laz about Calvin DeHaan, it seemed, well, first of all, it seems like his you know recovery is going to be 100% and he's at least scheduled to be back at the beginning of the season. But is there any Calvin DeHaan-related news or information that you have um, or potentially how, uh, how he can slot into the Blackhawks' defense uh, to start the season? Well, I think just he's going to be a uh, – stabilitating stabilizing that's the word i'm looking for i think he's going to be a very stabilizing presence in the blackhawks lineup that's going to provide i think you're going to have a less moments where you're terrified about what's about to happen in the blackhawks own end when calvin dehan is playing because he just seems like a solid steady player and like the player i've uh, seen lazarus compare him to several times is always nicholas jalmerson 
who the Blackhawks still haven't replaced, and maybe they get close to that with DeHaan. So I, I think it's just it's providing a player whose main responsibility is playing defense, and he is adequate at doing that job. Because I don't think there's been the, – the Hawks haven't really had – Defensemen, defensive defensemen that have been successful in the last two or three seasons. Like Brandon Manning was a defensive defenseman. He just wasn't good at it. And then a lot of the other Hawks, D-men are more offensive-oriented. Eric Gustafson, Adam Boquist, um, even Duncan Keith to an extent, more, more on the uh, offensive side of things. So they have a – you know, Calvin DeHaan's a legitimate top four NHL defenseman. So he's good. He's going to provide – hopefully uh, provide some relief. And in, in an ideal world – Dahan is able to whoever he gets paired up with. I'm trying to figure out who he's been paired up with in the preseason. Brandon, do you know? I'm he hasn't been well. He hasn't been playing. He's out. Yeah, that was a great question, Dave. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see who they pair him with. Like I don't know if they'll go with a a straight shutdown pairing and go Dahan and Mata, or maybe pair him with I don't with Gustafson. I I don't exactly know how that's going to work out. But having um having Dahan in the lineup is going to provide someone that can take the defensive zone face-offs that can really focus on that side of the ice and that allow more of the more offensive-oriented Blackhawks defensemen to get more of the neutral zone and offensive zone face-offs. And hopefully it, it just, it hopefully just in, in, it improves everything down the lineup because it, it makes the defense better when DeHaan's out there in defensive situations and it'll make the offensive better to have Gustafson and Keith or whoever else out there for offensive situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too because, and and this kind of stems over into the Boquist talk that we're inevitably going to get to. But basically, it 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 all comes down to what Chicago wants their defense to look like, at least from a puck movement, get it out of the zone, you know, set up offense, kind of that quick transition look that a Boquist player can provide. Or do they want more of that kind of stability, the you know that physical presence, you know, like a Brent Seabrook or a Slater Cuckoo or a Dennis Gilbert, for that matter, you know, guys that can, you know, kind of post up and, and play defense, at least in the, you know, in the defensive side of the ice. It, it, from what it seems like, it looks like Chicago kind of wants to get some grit back in them and at least add uh, some size, but fuck that word. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Grit, what, what grit and or size? No grit. It's just, it's a stupid buzzword that like, I, that's, like the St. Louis Blues talked about that, about grit and toughness and all that bullshit for like a decade, and they never won a damn thing. And then they actually got like skilled players, and then they won the cup. So, yeah, and I, I think people still believe that there's this grit and toughness is why the Blues won the cup. No, they won the cup because they had good offensive players, they had good blue liners who made some good def- uh, contributions on the offensive end of the ice, and Jordan Biddington played out of his goddamn mind. That, I was going to say, that's a big reason why they won well, the yeah. cup. But yeah, that's not grit and toughness. That's but back to things that actually matter. I think no. Hold on. I think there's at least you have to at least credit the the physicality of the defensive position, especially with it's 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 not yeah it's not discounting physicality like that's not a bad thing. But grit and toughness make it sound like you 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 need guys who fight, and that's the part that gets annoying. Well, you need a you need you need a single word for the phrase "big guy hit hard," you know, or something. Physicality. Physicality is fine. That's a good one. I know it's a lot more syllables than grit, but. (laughs) (laughs) Or not the name of a mascot for that matter. Brandon, do you have a take to save this podcast right now? Uh, I think DeHaan would be paired with Murphy. Um, 
Seabrook and Ole Mata have played two games and they've looked pretty serviceable on their own end. Um, getting, I guess, sheltered time um, in the zone, but still they've been effective surprisingly, which mm-hmm. is something that you wouldn't expect for two of the slowest players on the team. <laughs> um, but if they're put in the right situation, they work well together. Mm-hmm. Um, granted that's against competition. That's, I would say AHL at best. There might be a few fringe players on these teams that they've played so far, but um, so you always have team. to always have to take that as your um, little disclaimer when you're talking about preseason action. Um, so, I mean that the game they played against the the Bruins the other day that did not look good when you're playing against McAvoy and some dudes and you're getting just Shell. destroyed. <laughs> Um, so like Robin Leonard, welcome to the Chicago defense. Um, <laughs> no longer they're all wearing invisibility defense. cloaks. So good luck with that. And that goes back, <laughs> and that goes back to what Laz was talking about um, on the Friday show. It's like, look, and you don't need Robin Leonard to be a, a, a nine twenty or a nine thirty goaltender like he was with Barry Trotz defense. You just need to have a guy that's semi competent, and um, you know, and that's and that's something to be said. However. Uh, Corey Crawford, man's looking like he does not want to give away the starting job at all. And, um, Brandon, I know you can talk about this a little bit because you've been talking with, um, with Kat Silverman over the, uh, over the off season. What about the goaltending position that you've seen in the preseason, you, um, you know, either optimistic or hopeful for a potential surge from what was the Cam Ward experience last season? they both look like you would expect. I mean, there's nothing that's been like, Oh, that looked bad or anything. So they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just a matter of the guys in front of them, giving them a little break and blocking shots and breaking up passes with their sticks. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, the goaltending's fine. It's, it's the defense. It's, you know, it was Carl Dahlstrom or Slater Cuckoo going to be the seventh defenseman. What do you do with, Adam Boquist, do you have him in the AHL so we can spend more time with Brian Campbell and others? Mm-hmm. So Potentially Christopher Stieg as well, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, and that's obviously, thank you for the segue, because we'll go that direction too. I mean, it, how could you not focus on what Adam Boquist has been doing in the preseason? Some of these highlight real goals. Um you know, NHL.com has been picking it up. Obviously the, you know, the Chicago media has been picking up his play. Um, if, uh, if we're getting deep into the weeds on this, I, I'll start with Dave. Um, I, what do you do with Adam Boquist this season? Well, I mean, in an ideal world, you trade away Brent Seabrook and, or somebody else and you make a spot for him. But I don't think that's what is going to happen. Because it seems like he's destined for Rockford. Because it seems like the Blackhawks' uh, D, D groups are pretty set with the guys. You know, they've already got seven guys pretty established right now, and that doesn't even include DeHaan. So, so something's got to give. And with Boquist still on his entry level deal, he's he doesn't have to go through waivers. All the other things. It's it's convenient to send him down to the minors and let him play there for for the first few months of the season. I think the interesting thing to watch with him will be 
if somebody gets injured, and I think it's going to be more about who gets injured, like if Ali Mata or Calvin DeHaan or Brent Seabrook, if some of those guys get injured, you're probably not going to bring up Adam Boquist because that's not the role he has. But if, say, Eric Gustafson gets hurt or Duncan Keith gets hurt, somebody that's more of an offensive player, if it opens up a spot, especially on the Blackhawks power play, mm-hmm. then we might talk about Adam Boquist getting called up. Uh, I don't think he starts the season with this team, but I would wager heavy sums of money that his injury level deal does not survive. Or the first year of it gets burned this season because I, I know there's concerns about his defensive game, but he just looks too good on offense to ignore. Mm-hmm. And really good in transition too. By the way, this well, yeah. just in Dave Melton has unofficially positioned a sniper on top of the new scoreboard at the United Center to assassinate <laughs> one Eric Gustafson in the first game of the season. Hey, no, 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 no. You keep Gustafson. You hope he plays well for a month or two, or maybe even halfway through the season, and then you offer him up to some team that is near the top of the NHL standings and say, "Hey, how would you like this power play quarterback who ran?" Um, the league's best power play for two months last year <laughs> and see what you can get for him. I, th- I think in the, the, so like in terms of like maximizing the assets that the Blackhawks have, I think the best deal is that Gustafson plays well um, and, and plays well in the last year of his contract. He's going to be due for a huge raise. And I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be able to afford it, especially considering whatever money to about to get. So mm. ideally Gustafson plays well, maximizes his value Around the trade deadline, maybe a month or two before that, you trade Gustafson to the highest bidder, and it could be a pretty high bidding if he's on pace for another 60-point season mm-hmm. because defensive issues notwithstanding or withstanding, there's not a lot of 60-point defensemen in the NHL. And then you trade away Gustafson and makes a spot for Boquist, and Boquist plays well enough at the AHL level that he comes up to the NHL and doesn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal scenario, I think. Brandon, in in light of the of potentially Adam Boquist moving up or moving down, is there a direction that you think the Hawks will sway with the seven spot between a Carl Dahlstrom and a Slater Cuckoo? I feel like they'll go with Cuckoo just because he's more mobile. That's that's literally it. That's it. Just trying to build up it's, more mobility. It's fine. Cut, as, print it. We're done. <laughs> as Dave likes to say, it, it's fine. <laughs> That is that that is my line. It's yeah, and I just I think you I mean they with, could they could have. Mm-hmm. I mean, either way, they have to put one of them through waivers. I don't think either one of them would get picked up. Cuckoo probably may like I don't know what's Edmonton doing. There's but, more, uh, yeah, right. There's more upside with <laughs> Ottawa Cuckoo than there is with Dahlstrom. Edmit, that's for sure. Edmonton's got a different GM now. Chiarelli's not there to be hilarious and making decisions. So, oh, new there's more. there's still a lot of the old regime there but um yeah i think with that that's just that situation is what it is and i feel like you want boquist playing top four minutes and if you can't do that in the nhl send him to the ahl pair him with dennis godan and have them spend a year together and then bodan probably needs another year in the ahl to be honest and maybe they start some chemistry there and maybe it ends up being Ian Mitchell's in the AHL for another year or for a year with Odan and they come up together. So and then you have your three guys all together in 2021, 20, 20, 22. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Brandon, but that's the other guy that's really interesting with all this with, with Ian Mitchell. Like it seemed like everybody is, I mean, even me, I've said, I've seems like Ian Mitchell is destined to be a call up in March whenever Denver seasons end, but I don't know where there's a spot for him. I mean, we don't, there's not even a spot for Boquist right now. So how is there going to be a spot for Ian Mitchell in, in five, six months if, you know, they still got all these guys on the team. I mean, again, ideally, you move some of them and you make room for these young prospects who are supposed to be on the team for the next decade. But, you know, that may not be the reality of the situation. They will. Yeah, and the bad thing is with the waivers is if no other teams pick up these kind of fringe defensemen, Derek King's going to have a shit ton of guys. I was going to say, the Rockford's going to be how so do you, stacked. How do you manage – a guy like Philip Holm who looked pretty good in the preseason, but also wanting to give some minutes to Chad Chris and uh, Nick Bodan, guys like that. And you also have Lucas Carlson there. So you still want to have your top prospects get minutes, but then you know that these, you know, veteran players will probably be more responsible in their own end. So how do you pair that and juggle all that and, King said on Monday or Sunday um, that he learned a lot from there being so many injuries of how to manage, but it's a totally different situation when you have healthy guys who are hungry for playing time and are young and all they've done all their lives is play all the time because they're the best kid. So I don't know how he's going to do it, but it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, more on uh, more on Derek King and the Rockford Ice Hogs here. After a quick commercial break, uh, shout out to, again, the Corporate Overlords. Uh, when we get back, we'll do a little bit of forward talk. Brandon will talk about uh, his visit to Rockford Ice Hogs training camp. And then uh, a little bit later on, we will be picking our teams for the month of October, and we can elaborate on what that means a little bit later. So come on back in like 30 seconds. Welcome back from that commercial break. Um, Second City Hockey Podcast, Brad, Brandon, and Dave. Um, let's talk some forwards. Uh, gentlemen, so it's – and again, shout out to that last podcast because he brought up the topic that a lot of people were pretty polarized about or uh, rather polarizing. Can people be polarized? I don't know. Um, Alex Nylander, uh, him being a skill guy and him showing that he's a skill guy and – I. To be honest, he did not look great at the training camp festival anyways, but obviously in the in the preseason, he's looked a little more competent, but he doesn't really have a fourth-line role here per se, um, which, again, we'll go to Dave on this one after talking to Laz. Who do you think are going to be some of the forwards that ultimately fill those fourth-line gaps that the Hawks are ultimately going to have to fill here? Well, it seems like uh, Drake Kajula is going to be down there, for one, because he just doesn't – there's not a lot of space down at the bottom of the Blackhawks line, or excuse me, there's not as much space at the top of the line like for guys who don't have the requisite hands and skill to play with people like Taves and Kane and Brink and Strom. So uh, I, I think Jules is going to be one of those guys. It seems like it's Anton Vieden, right? It's a V, not a W sound. <laughs> yeah. Da. Yeah. I, I think I just went to Russian, but whatever. <laughs> my foreign, my foreign accents are terrible. 
Anyway, but yeah, it seems like but it seems like Vina's more maybe holding on to that third line center role, which means David Kampf is probably gonna be your fourth line center. And then as far as the other winger, I mean uh I mean flip a coin. I mean it could be it could be Zach Smith, it could be Brendan Perlini, it could be it well it won't be John Quenville. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna we'll, we'll just say that now. It won't be Quenville because he's destined for Rockford, but I mean, maybe even they move Carpenter out to a wing. I don't know. There's there's a lot of players down there who could be that spot. I mean, it's, it seems like like having Drake Kajul on the fourth line is not a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Like because he he played some thirds. I think he even moonlighted on the top line with Taves and Kane for a little bit last season. So if he's playing on the fourth line, that seems like a pretty good forward group. Like I, I don't think there's a lot of concerns about the forwards the Blackhawks have this year. Defense is the other story that we were just talking about, but. Um, I'm not as concerned. It seems like no, no matter who they put there, based on all those names I was talking about, um, I'm not as concerned about the quality of the forwards because it seems like they've got a pretty good group there already. Well, fourth line center is the problem. You know, you, yeah. you've got to find somebody to win faceoffs, and I mean and that's where Ryan Carpenter comes in because Carpenter was really. I think he's had pretty good success in faceoffs in the preseason too, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. I can pull that. We can shout out to the second city hockey stats department for that one, but um, we'll jump across to Brandon. Is there anybody in particular that you're looking at from a third line center or even a fourth line winger standpoint um, that you think might be the guy that, that ultimately earns a spot? I mean, cause again, I, I don't think it's Nylander. Yeah. Nylander's not a center or a, or a winger that for that, you know, nobody on the fourth line forward position. No, I think you put, Nylander on the first line, you have Kubelik or Sorella. I would lean towards Sorella just because he can create offense more than Kubelik can. Kubelik is a straight-up shooter, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but I'm just saying for an overall game aspect, Sorella can create offense himself and distribute more than Kubelik has shown. Um, That's obviously because I've seen Sorella more, and this is – Alexi Sorella, not Anti, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more um, experienced one. And I think that Perlini is kind of the guy who's been pushed out a bit. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, Wadeen is... Veden. Veden. He can bounce around the <laughs> bottom six. He's looked good so far. Um, and with Camp, it's just finding that offensive touch to his game and needing to grow in that area to be a third line center. Otherwise I don't know what they're doing. You mean he can't just be a gritty player? No. <laughs> He'd be a gritty mascot though. Well shit. Um I think and- I think the other point with all the the fourth line guys, I think the biggest key out of those guys is going to be which one of them can also double as penalty kill forwards and be actually well-performing in those roles. That's something Shepard Price wrote about in our website today. I know he had a five takeaways from the preseason, and he mentioned that Ryan Carpenter hasn't given up a goal against, and even Drake Kajula's seen some penalty kill time as well. So I think that's that might be even more important than the five-on-five situations because it's not, not that the five-on-five play isn't important for the fourth line because I think you still need a well-rounded lineup, so you need some contributions from that fourth line from time to time. Mm. But I think with the way the Blackhawks penalty kill, which, again, for the nine millionth time, was historically terrible last season, 
they need fourth line players that can also double as penalty kill forwards because they need that penalty kill to be better if they're going to make the playoffs this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, you had a uh, you had a chance to talk with Derek King um, and actually attend the uh, the closed practice that was the opening of Rockford's training camp. And um, I know there wasn't a whole lot there in terms of uh, players that were called down to the AHL. Of course, um, you know after that first day, there were a lot of announcements: um, Kevin Lincoln getting moved down to the AHL. Dylan Sakura getting moved down, all those you know, big players like that. Um, but what uh, what are some of the things you took away from the uh, from the first day uh, or the opening weekend, rather, of uh, of Rockford's training camp? Pretty much what I expected. I didn't. The one thing that kind of jumped out to me from the scrum with King is he's very like anxious to get things going because much like Colleton, he's able to implement his own things with this new young group. Mm -hmm. And last season it was very much like this weird Rubik's cube of guys that were going to be relied on and needed to be developed. And then other guys that you kind of could see that they didn't have a future, but now it's like, no, these are all the guys that you've spent time with the past X amount of years you've grown to know them and this is on you to run with it and help develop them and win. Um, Mm -hmm. So he knows there's added expectations. He's embracing it. Um, He's excited to have Christopher Stieg there for a leadership role, uh, much like Andrew Campbell had last season where it's a veteran guy who the younger guys can respect and look up to. uh, Until he gets called up to the NHL. I mean, maybe, yeah. Maybe. It's going to happen. Um, I will put all the money in the world on it. And one one interesting thing that King pointed out was this is the first time that it's been known that Versti leadership role, but he said, you know, within a team, Versti's probably held that role before, but it's been in a different situation where he's not like the old veteran guy who can be relied on for advice. Mm-hmm. where previous stops he might have been known as like the goofball guy to like keep things loose or the guy you can go to to talk about some random thing to get your mind off the game or something like that. Um, so he said it's just a matter of having conversations and seeing where things are at with the team and that. Um, and it's nice for the guys because Versteek has been in that same situation, been in Rockford looking to – make the NHL team in Chicago. So there's a big relatability factor for the younger guys. Um, and Matthew Highmore was kind of, he was the other player that was available. He was very, uh, oh, what would be the, the way to describe it? Gritty? No. <laughs> um, ready to put last season behind him, I guess. Would be mm-hmm. A good way. Um, what was out? What was it? Five months? Four yeah, months with like injury? That. He played all of October and then, well, most of October. And then he had a shoulder surgery. So uh, he said being off the ice, he was able to, to learn some things. Just you have a different perspective and view on things mm. than you would when you're playing. But throughout this summer, he was just ready to go. And you could just, he just looked antsy and, just like anyone would be um, at the start of camp. So 
Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens this next week and whatever comes of that <clears throat> split squad game. That's basically going to be the ice hogs um, on Saturday in Boston to see if there's anything that's kind of been taken from Traverse city that was used as far as lineups or chemistry that guys had built up to see if King runs with that again mm-hmm. and how he manages the young guys and the veterans and mix and message. Yeah. There's going to them. There's gonna be a big emphasis on what happens in Rockford this season too. Cause there's a lot of players there that, uh, you know, between going to Chicago or even just being, you know, what, what I'll call an influencer in, uh, in Rockford, in terms of just, you know, helping out younger guys develop and, and potentially again, put together a, a lineup that goes pretty damn deep uh, this season. I, they, that could be a lot of fun. Um, if, uh, if, if anybody's interested, obviously go check out a game. Um, and we actually will have full coverage again this season. So again, thank you to the Rockford ice hogs for that. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see how good they are. Um, and just how deep they are with some of this, you know, budding prospect talent or even, you know, guys that are kind of just destined for the, the, the AHL to see how they develop some of the younger talent around them. So, and again, I, from, from looking at Derek King and, and looking at what his, uh, what his off season entailed, I, he was very much, um, you know, in communication with a lot of the guys talking a lot with Chad, Chris, which I love, um, just trying to make sure that he gets his own system in place uh, for an entire season. And again, that's what I think, uh, you know, tying this back to, to Jeremy Colladin, I think that's why, you know, Rockford was able to be so successful at least the last two consecutive seasons um, with, with Colladin in full time is again, just the fact that he got his system into place and was able to, you know, implement that, um, you know, for an entire season. So getting that with Derek King, getting that with Jeremy Colladin this season, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the, the coaching conversation goes. Cause again, there's nothing to hide behind this year. No Quenville firing in November or, you know, changing of the guard or, or anything like that. And within the first 20 games of the season. So um, uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen on uh, Blackhawks preseason before we take a, uh, a quick break. Is Dylan Sakura, are we just giving up on him being a Blackhawk? Yep. Because it just doesn't seem like it's happening anymore. I mean, he's a six-round pick from several years ago. So the fact, that played, the fact that he ever made it to the NHL at all is a major – I mean, it's it's a major plus for him, and it's, it's very impressive that he got that far in his career because the overwhelming majority of six-round picks don't get to the NHL level. But it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out in Chicago for him anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a, he's a talent – He's a talent-based player or a finesse-based player in a franchise that has a ton of finesse, you know, and, and unfortunately I don't think his game fits uh, a need that the Blackhawks have right now. Again, he's a good little prospect to have or a good little guy in the pipeline to potentially bring on, but, you know, the Hawks have acquired plenty around them to to outweigh what, what Dylan Sakura has had. And and I also think there's a little bit of here, – here's the shot. I also think there's there's been just a little bit of – I'm going to call it just lack of motivation is what it seems like. He, he improved so, uh, so much from 2017 into the 2018 season. And then last year there was a lot of talk about, okay, he's going to control the AHL scoring and he's going to be one of the most dynamic players in, in Rockford's offense. And he was just kind of meh. Um, which 
is okay. Again, that maybe stems from playing how many games in the NHL and not scoring a goal, but you know, I, oh, well, yeah, it's a Dylan, Dylan's occur. I don't think you get a whole lot, you know, for him in terms of a trade piece. Maybe you sprinkle him in with the Eric Gustafson trade. And then that's a, you know, a nice little, nice little package you can send to, uh, I don't know, like Phoenix or something for Phil Kessel. Um, we're going to take a, a commercial break. Um, and uh, when we come back, we are going to start the brand new fantasy series here at second city hockey dot com so hold on to your uh to your fight straps kiddos we're gonna be back here in a quick second Welcome back for the third time Second City Hockey Podcast. All right, we are going to try something totally new this season, and I am very excited to uh, to announce that... Uh, that, that makes one of us. We, we are doing some fantasy hockey this season, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Um, this may be the dumbest thing we've ever decided to do. I'm not entirely sure, but we think this could be a really fun way to engage with you, the listeners. Um, this is a season-long race for a trophy that is still yet to be named. Um, uh, oh, oh, we got a trophy now, too. Sponsored by Honda, naturally, because um, like everything in the NHL is sponsored by Honda. Um, is it going to be a hood, to- hood ornament? Or Discover. Tony style? Ooh, it could be the hood ornament. We'll figure that out. Um, send us your suggestions in the in the comment section of the Second City Hockey podcast page or the post or tweet at us or something. Like, let us know what uh, what we should call this trophy. But basically, um, we're doing some fantasy hockey uh, pick 'em style. The game is as follows: between the, at least the three of us on this show, um, we will draft three NHL teams a month. The goal is to draft a group of three teams that combined win the most games over a span of said month. So from October 1st to October 31st, you pick three teams that you think combined are going to win the most games. Um, The catch is once you've used a team or once you have drafted a team, you lose them. So... If you if Brandon decides to take the Blackhawks in November, which is a dumb idea because they never win games in November, um, he can no longer <laughs> take the Blackhawks for the remainder of the uh, of the regular season or of the regular of the season for that matter. Um, there are officially thirty one teams in the NHL, and there are seven months of hockey. Uh, we're going to loop in the playoff season uh, with the month of April. So October, November, December, January, February, March, April slash playoffs are the, are the segments. Um, and, and this is a draft. So uh, unofficially, we, uh, we, we, we flipped a coin backstage. And uh, in a snake draft style, there are three rounds. And with the number one pick overall in the draft, uh, Brandon Kane, um, you will be on the clock here shortly, uh, but it will go Brandon Kane, Dave Melton, and then myself, uh, and then we'll snake back around for all three. For those of you that are listening, there will be a link in the secondcityhockey.com blog post where you can play along. Again, you have to pick three teams that you think combined are going to win the most games during the month of 
whatever month that we're drafting in. Uh, but once you use that team, you lose them. So if you decide to take the Capitals in October and then the playoffs roll around and they ultimately win the damn thing, you can't take them in April slash the playoffs. So please consider that uh, as you get in or don't consider that and, uh, and lose to the knuckleheads that uh, Dave, Brandon, and myself are. So, um, oh yeah, the winner gets nothing, uh, but the loser is going to have to take the Wonderlick test and post the results somewhere in a public forum. Yeah, but what if I ace the Wonderlick test? Either well, then so the so the, the winner gets a trophy or nothing. Uh, the the sponsors have the the sponsor that is officially yet to be named presented by Honda um, has still not yet fully disclosed what the winning prize is going to be. But uh, we are going to start this draft, and we will keep uh, updates on how this ridiculous game goes throughout the season. So again, we want to hear from you uh, hockey fans. Again, if you want to play along, um, you can either submit, and there will be directions in the blog post as well, you could submit it in the comment section or tweet at us and, and all that good stuff. We'll make sure that uh, you get added to this ridiculous game. But with the first pick in the unofficially named NHL Fantasy Draft, Brandon Kane, sir, you are on the clock. Rangers. The New York Rangers. Dear God. That Brandon, the goal is to pick the, the team that wins the most games. Yeah, I know. Good one, Brad. <sighs> Interesting. All right. Dave. Someone didn't follow the offseason. Dave Melton, you are on the clock. The Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto. See, Dave looking to get out to a fast start. I have a strategy, but I don't want to tell you until we're done drafting. This is yeah, this is going to be ridiculous. Um, all right, we're going fast starts. Uh, with the third overall pick, uh, my team, who is yet to be named, will be drafting the Phoenix or Arizona. Whoops. <laughs> no, Phoenix Coyotes. So you yep. get no wins and the no wins. And Phoenix, gonna... The Phoenix, the formerly known as the Phoenix Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes. You only get them when they wear jerseys that were active when they were the Phoenix Coyotes. The throwback That's your ones? punishment. Uh, That's your punishment. Dear God. All right. Um, and then since we're in a snake draft, this comes back around to yours truly. Um, and unfortunately, Brandon did take a little bit of my strategy with the New York Rangers, so I need to consult the scouts here. Um, with the fourth overall pick in the – NHL fantasy draft. Um, I'm going to take, uh, you know, this, this is a team I've actually, you know, the, the scouts are saying a lot of good things here. You know, there's a lot of potential, um, you know, for them, even though a lot of pieces did get moved a little bit in the off season, I think this might be a valuable pick at least for a hot start this season. I'm going to take the San Jose sharks. Dave Melton you are on the clock. Pittsburgh Penguins. Oof. You, so you don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? I didn't say that. Oh, boy. Dominic Cahoon's going to score five goals a game for the first month of October. <laughs> That's Blackhawks legend, Dominic Cahoon. Thank you very much. Legendary face, at least. <sighs> now, I, I, I missed the Cahoon face a little bit. A little bit. That is true. That is the best, one of the best celebrations 
Brandon Kane, you are on the clock with the sixth pick. You are you you currently sitting on the New York Rangers, the second team. Flyers. Too bad they're going to start the season 0 and 1. All right, the Flyers are off the board. Brandon Kane, this is a snake draft. You have your third and final pick to make. Buffalo. Ooh. I was that's a good that was a good pick. I'm gonna, I was going to take Buffalo. By the way, for those of you who are listening to this show that ultimately uh catch us in some mathematical formula to where we mess this up later on the committee that has, uh, that has not disclosed any information as to where their whereabouts are. Um, the committee will handle a case by case basis. If we uh, run into a bit of a pinch here at the end of the year where we've, <laughs> we've all utilized some of the same teams and then ultimately get stuck at the end of the year, but this should work out. Mathematically so, good, good way to cover your ass, Brad. Nice work. Not a the committee, not me. I'm just, oh, I'm just a player. Oh, sorry, the committee. Yeah, just a, just a player in the game. Sorry, don't look behind this curtain, guys. I'm just a player in the game. That's all, man. I'm just a cog in the wheel. Speaking of uh, cogs in the wheels, Dave Melton, who currently has taken two of some of the stronger contingents for at least the Stanley Cup this season: the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh God, Dave Melton, neither team, neither of those teams is winning the cup. Don't worry. Who are you taking? In the third and final round, I have one one logistics question related to this. So the nine yes, teams we pick, it just so the or the three teams that I pick in this draft, I just can't pick them again for the rest of the season. But you guys can pick them in the next draft, right? Correct. So if, for example, since I have taken the Arizona Coyotes in San Jose, um, they're not available in this draft, but they are available to you two guys later on okay. like for November, okay. December, blah, 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 blah. You just that, personally can't use the same team twice. And then the draft is another little element to okay. screw with everybody. Okay. Give me the Blackhawks. Oh, in October. Yeah. I'm, I, I already hate myself, but I, I, I have, I have a thought. So they're, they're bound to win at least two games, like 10 to one at the beginning of the season. Maybe. Right. I would think, I would think, you know, I only one way to find out. Yeah. That's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, Speaking of interesting, and this is a bold move cotton, but we're going to give this a shot with the final pick. Uh, at least in the October draft for this NHL fantasy pick'em show, um, which has been not a total disaster. Uh, your boy, I'm going to take the Detroit. Jan Ruda. I'm going to yes, I'm going to take Jan Ruda. No, I'm going to take the Detroit Red Wings. Ah. Let's go. So the three teams. That we are uh, that we are that are competing in October. You have Brandon Kane, who has the Rangers, the Flyers, and the Sabers. Dave has the Leafs, the Penguins, and the Hawks, and I have the Coyotes, the Sharks, and the Red Wings. We will keep tabs and updates on this during the show throughout the season. Again, just weekly updates in terms of where everybody ranks. But again, 
secondcityhockey.com. Check out the blog post. There will be a link in there with directions on how to play, but it's very, very simple. Um, no wonder like test for, for the general public, by the way, that's just a, a punishment for, uh, for us three. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Looking forward to, uh, to keeping tabs on this and, and it being a good way to keep tags on tabs on the lead for the, uh, the rest of the year. Dave, what's your, uh, what's your strategy here going Hawks in October? Well, usually the high scoring teams can win some, you wouldn't tend to win more eight to seven games in October than you would in April. So I, I, ba- I tried to stick with teams that I think might have questions about their defense. I mean, because if you remember correctly, the Blackhawks started off 6-3-2 and two last season. Just saying. Mm-hmm. And, oh. and we know Toronto can't stop anybody. And um, Pittsburgh also has some questions on defense, I think. But um, I know they scored a lot of goals last year. I know that. So, mm-hmm. so I, I was, it was going down the list of, like, the highest goal-scoring teams without trying to, like, completely uh, – completely screw myself because a lot of the teams that scored the most goals are also like the Tampa Bay lightning and such. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah, don't worry. Toronto's not winning the cup. That's a, I, that was a good joke. That's it's uh, by the way, for, um, for those of you that are already screaming at your car dashboard, uh, listening to this show, uh, the four of you that are left, um, a, uh, a tie. So whoever wins the most games, whichever group of teams wins the most games, this month um it's a it, that's how we will determine draft order for months to follow um, and then if there is a tie uh we will go to uh, total goals scored and if there is a tie even after that we will go to goal differential um to determine how the uh, the draft order is picked um and again after all seven months of hockey are through we will have a total number of wins and that is how we will determine who wins this silly, silly contest. Brandon, that's a bold pick with the New York Rangers and even Philly for that matter, considering Philly's going to start the season. Oh, and one, my friend, um, what's uh, what was your rationale behind uh, picking your team? Goalies and defense that doesn't suck ass. <sighs> Shout out to the New York Rangers. Um, <laughs> Adam Fox, man. Uh, I kind of reverse engineered Dave's Jacob Truba. I reverse engineers Dave uh, engineered Dave's strategy just a little bit, um, and then threw down uh, Detroit because I think that they're bound to at least have a decent start, and then like they tend Says to who? like like they tend to they will fizzle out very quickly. Um, and then uh, yeah, I'm riding that Phil Kessel train all the way, baby, in Arizona. Doot, doot. Let's go. Um, I was saving them for April. Oh, baby. There it is. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There it is. I, there's a few teams that I know that we are going to all be screaming over when April comes around. So it's going to be interesting because, I mean, there might be a team that you're holding on to that you might not get when April is here. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, no, this is going to be fun. Um, again, we'll keep tabs on this on the website. You can also keep tabs on us on the Twitter. I'm TCR Brad. That's underscore Dave Melton. And then way in the back over there in the corner next to the personal pan pizzas and his dog is uh, Brandon M. Kane. Um, we're at Second City Hockey. That's the number two ND hockey on, uh, on the Twitter, secondcityhockey.com. Check out the, uh, uh, the Puckin' Right Chicago podcast. I know they're going to do a Thursday show. 
uh, this week. So you can take a listen to that. Um, you can hit us up on Google Podcasts. Please give us a review there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, you name it. We've got this show available there. And thank you again for everybody that has commented, um, for everybody that has subscribed and rated us. We do appreciate the feedback. We do take that into consideration. And uh, we will talk to you next week when hockey gets oh so much closer but until then, uh, hopefully, by the time we're listening to this, hopefully we're celebrating the Bears' victory tonight. Gentlemen, uh, Bears. let's go watch some football happen. And in the meantime, we will talk to everybody else later on. Thank you so much for listening. Bears.